2: Steve Rosenbloom. We suck so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it. and
3: Hopefully we will um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. And, um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping.
2: They suck so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any
4: problem getting it done.
2: Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they Come on. Where's Toby?
4: Well, so I'm practicing, you know,
3: social distancing and I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that.
2: The three words that describe this show and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stuff. It's Saturday Suckage on The Score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday suckage like it ought to be. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We're broadcasting from The Score's Hyundai Studios. Presented by your local Hyundai dealers, coincidentally enough. And coincidentally enough, right over there is Mark Grody. Hi, Mark. How you doing, Steve? Are the bulls falling apart? Are they going
3: under? Are they turning back into a pumpkin? What's going on with the bulls?
2: (laughs) Why does Wendell Carter Jr. suck? <laughs> he doesn't you know? want to shoot.
3: He doesn't want <laughs> to Sorry. shoot.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's Mike Tomlin talking about Wendell Carter Jr. sucks. And Mark- Lowry Marketing is playing well enough to get traded. There's your front line of the future, right? Your front court of the future. It's like Patrick Williams and your name here and your name here. I don't know, you know, watching that last night with... the Okay, so both teams are on the... The second half of a back-to-back. So they're they're even in fatigue and whatever. And then you figure, okay, here's Jimmy Butler and his revenge tour because it's the Bulls. Well, it turned out to be Dragic, who mm. his revenge tour, Derek Rose dunked on me. I'm going to get 20 in the fourth quarter on you guys, and he does, and the Bulls have 22 as a team. It's like, you guard anybody? Do you, do you understand this is the fourth quarter and it matters? And then Zach Levine, all-star Zach Levine, shoots one for four in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's not enough. But Wendell Carter Jr. sucked and Lowry Markinen was the guy with with all of the he he comes back very well in consecutive games and puts up points and can't miss a three and and they lose both of them. Now I'm sure this is small sample size, but I don't understand. Do you understand? Can you help me understand what's going on here, Mark?
3: Well, first of all, I'll go systematically through the things that you were saying. This was the here's what I'm doing, Stacey King, Gorn Dragic game. Because he asked him years ago, what are you doing, Dragic? And Dragic (laughs) said, here's what I'm doing. So it was the here's what I'm doing game. Right. (laughs) Scoring the 20 points in the fourth quarter. Here's what I'm doing, Stacey King. Yeah. And I was glad that Stacey King did mention Goran Dragic. There's something more to the story of the what are you doing, Dragic. I think that – gotta go, I got to go back and watch the tape again or listen to the audio, but – I th- and maybe one of you guys heard, but Stacey King was referring to that dunk call and that particular game, which was against Phoenix when Dragic was with the Suns. And apparently – did Dragic have a technical in that game at some point in time? So I think that there was like – some some extra tension that had built between broadcaster and player and then what are you doing? You can't guard Derrick Rose, he's from Chicago. So there was something more to it and I, I need to find that out. But yeah, makes go- no sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, he makes zero at all. sense. He's from Chicago. You can't you can't you can, wait, you can't why I'm sorry. He's Connect from the dots Chicago. Stay that doesn't make any uh. sense. He was good, though. Goran Dragic was really good.
3: The, the, other, the Wendell Carter thing is interesting because, again, and I will insert uh, Stacy King once again, Stacy King went on a little rant about, about him imploring Wendell Carter to shoot the basketball. He even said, and I don't think I've ever heard an analyst say this, all the other stuff he's doing, setting the screens and the picks and, and doing the dirt, that's all great and all. But he needs to shoot more. Like, I, I've never seen, like, that from that standpoint in, in a long time, players that are afraid to shoot. And Wendell Carter was one for five from the field last night. One for five for mm-hmm. four points. And then he admitted, like, he admitted that he kind of is regressing. And he, I don't think he knows where he is offensively right now.
2: Well, he he has he admitted he has zero confidence, and he has zero. Yeah. He has no clue what he's doing. You know, he was not playing against Bam Adebayo. He was playing against Kelly O'Linick. Yeah. I mean, come on, and and you got torn up in the paint. The Bulls got torn up in the paint, and this was not. This was just as embarrassing as the way the Sixers did it. But where the Bulls gave up, I think it was 738 points in the paint against the Sixers. It's just this, I don't know what they're doing, but I know what's going on is what you expect from a team this uneven. And I know why this bothers me is this is is a new regime, and especially a new coach, showing you, or to that point, to the All-Star break, showing you a whole lot of things about how to coach, how to improve players. Far better than last year where where Jim Boylan, the the Michelin man, had no clue how to coach or what he was doing. He was getting full support from Paxson, from Gar, from Michael Reinsdorf. I mean, it was was the idiot. It was the the national twit convention, convention because you're supporting this guy who doesn't know what he's doing, and then Billy... Donovan comes in with a new regime, and they're looking at him, and you look at what, it bothers me because there had been such a spike in improvement. What you saw in the opening game against Atlanta was like, oh my God, you might as well have Jim Boylan here. Why are you spending all the money on people who were smart, or were supposedly smart? Then you saw a development, and then that game, these two games really remind me of, of, what I had, I I was allowed to raise my expectations because this was a real coach coaching real things with a real future. He took, remember what Bum Phillips said about Don Shula? He can take hisen and beat urine, and he can take urine and beat hisen. And Bum (laughs) Phillips is talking about what a real coach could do. And Billy Donovan took... Jim Boylan's players, Jim John Pax's players, Garform's players, who sucked the year before and made the players, and that's the way they look. And they had an All Star this year, and I, and that's what really bothers me when you see them lose a game to Miami, and now they're two games worse than when Billy Donovan said we're still a losing team. I. That's just sort of all the roiling frustrations. I don't know where you are in this, but I'm sort of, I'm going through this this stream of consciousness like. This bothers me. I know why it bothers me. How come it's bothering me? What else can I talk about? Because this is bothering me. Does this well,
3: you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like specific, even if you want to narrow it down to a development thing and you're not really, because I, I am at that point where I've never, I am not looking at the standings yet in the Eastern Conference with any real earnest, like I, I look at them just to, just to be informed, but I don't really care or think about the playoff of this season, I do think about development and what f- configuration of of Bulls is going to get back to these from Conference Finals, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, all that kind of stuff. So when against Philadelphia, I hear Billy Donovan say something as damning as that was a huge step backwards. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty hefty, man. That's not your... That's not your rank and file critique right there. Huge step backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is, that's on everybody. I mean that that's even that's even putting it on the coach a little bit. Like you you gotta you gotta recover from something like that. And it was. I mean, the Philadelphia game bothered me more. And you know for the obvious reasons that they're they're without Joel Embiid and and Ben Simmons, but then they just get their asses kicked in the paint. 78-42, something like that, you know. Dwight Howard looking like, you know, Orlando Magic number one pick Dwight, Ho- different haircut yeah. Dwight Howard <laughs> in that game, right? And then it seems like every Bulls turnover that's committed, and they had 19 of them, every single turnover this year has been converted into a basket, and that's just that's, just true. that's sloppy and lazy, right? So you have it turnovers and getting beat up in the paint, that's sloppy. And that's lazy. So that those are those are damning things for a team. And yeah, so th- those kinds of things bother me. And then when we see like Wendell Carter Jr. and I feel like everybody's on a time clock this year, trying to prove themselves that they belong with this organization. Wendell Carter Jr. has not done a great job of of proving that so far this year. There's been just so many. He's been trying to find himself since he got to the Bulls, and it's not necessarily better under Billy Donovan.
2: I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rody. We are Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And speaking of that, by the way, I looked at the standings because I wanted to see just what where they were at 16 and 20. Remember in 16 and 18 when people were trying to ask, trying to have Billy Donovan throw... Throw roses. So rose petals at the feet of his players. Like, did you yeah. imagine you could be like right. this at the beginning of the season when you took over and and nobody had much hope and we're still we still have a losing record. Yeah. And that was his answer. Right. And that really solid. And and now they have a losing record worse by two games. But I looked at it at sixteen and twenty, they're tied with the Pacers. And that is for the tenth spot, which is the fourth play-in spot in the playoffs. That's what the 10th tenth, tenth place is. And if they secure that right now, they would play Tom Thibodeau's Knicks.
3: Oh, man.
2: That would be well, a thing. If, they, you know, if this if were they, the NCAA, the committee would set that up. That would be the the, the first-round matchup. But this is the NBA, so the referees and the league can conspire to make sure this happens if that's what TV wants, since nobody trusts the NBA in in any honest way. So it still could
3: happen. <laughs> like hey, if, if they tell me if Billy Donovan and our tourist Chauvis honestly believe it's good for, if they subscribe to the theory of it's good for a young team to make the playoffs, no matter what the scenario is, then more power to you. I, I care more about the development and because unless you look at this team, and say yeah, that's the team that's going to be going to the Eastern Conference Finals again someday, a team that's going to make a deep playoff run with these players. unless you say that, then you got to just hope for what's coming in the, in the coming years and not and try not to worry so much about this year. And you are right man. The, the with Billy Donovan saying what he said, look 16 and 18 what do you, you know what are you guys talking about that, that's not good that's not good. That's bad, no. as a matter of fact. Yes. Like, it everything's sucks. relative. Cause, and he, he's he got to understand, though, that where we are, why I say we media and fans are coming from. This is all relative, right? It's all, like, based on the former coach and how bad the organization was perceived mm-hmm. for the last few years before he got here. So, I guess, relatively speaking, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And who would have thought that? Nobody thought they would be 16 and 18, but... Thank God there's a guy who has perspective of, uh, you know, being objective and neutral and saying, hey, guys, under 500 sucks.
2: And and compare that with Jim Boylan last year. He said, well, I don't care what my record is. You know what? I'm here to make these guys better. And the idiot has a time clock and he's doing push-ups with his team and he just does <laughs> everything. He clowned the organization. That was too stupid to know how clowning, how, how much it was getting clowned, how embarrassing it was. And the the – Billy Donovan comes in. He's not, he's the adult in the room. And, and yeah. he's, this is not a substitute teacher. This is the guy. He's going to be here for the, he's got tenure. This professor has tenure. So wake up. And that's the way it goes. And just by comparison, you know, when the Bulls do that, and it reminded me of when the Hawks did that in the first game against Dallas. They came back to win 4-2 to the other night. But in that first game against the Stars. They got beat six to one, and it was like, and you know, everybody wanted, wanted to empty the magazine, get, the, get rid of the goalie, trade everybody, do all that. And we didn't expect much from either team this year. The fact that you could you saw such outrage about the Hawks show how much they raised certain expectations. That it was the aberration, that kind of game. It wasn't close. But the Bulls now have shown you that that they've and and the Bulls game in Philadelphia is more troubling. Because when the Blackhawks sucked, they came back and won the next night. They won four to two. When the, like you said, when Billy said the six, the, the game against the Sixers was a step, big step backwards. And yeah. what did they do? They they collapsed in the fourth quarter. They fell apart. They choked at in, in that game against that team, and and they had a whole lot going for them. All right. Well, you know what? We'll talk to Cody Westerlund, the score. He covers the Bulls. For the score, we'll do that at noon at 1 o'clock. Grobber. We're going to talk to Grobber, Mark, at 1 o'clock.
3: Oh, there's been some Grabber confusion today. I don't know if you've been informed of this by the Trash Panda or not. Have you? No. Okay, so here's the dealio.
2: Did he book I the wrong... Did we have another guy book no, no, the wrong No,
3: no, no. Trash Panda didn't do anything wrong. Um, I actually probably added to the confusion because I... So I'm doing a show I'm doing a show tomorrow morning. Okay. I'm on nine to noon. And I talked to Grobber because it was his birthday. He turned 69. Nice. And so I called the Grobber to wish him happy birthday. And by the end of the conversation, I had booked him on the Sunday show. So I said, So Les is coming out with me tomorrow at eleven. And Trash Panda, this is where you come in. What happened today with the booking
1: situation? So about ten o'clock, I'm working, you know, inside the clubhouse, like I do pretty much every Saturday, and I get a call, and I notice it's Grober's number calling the the stu- not like the call in line, like the the studio line, the one At that's 10 like, o'clock. yes, ten o'clock, right, ten o'clock, and he's seemingly under the impression that he's getting ready to go on with you, Grody, and <laughs>
2: wait. I'm like and I said because I had called him
1: I called him last night at around eight thirty or so and said, Hey Les, can you come on at one o'clock today? So as in Saturday. Like one o'clock tomorrow. And he he so he calls at ten o'clock today and I was like, Oh yeah, we're gonna have you on at one o'clock He's and so it's like and I just kind of was like, oh, I think you were thinking tomorrow with Grody. And so apparently that's supposed to be at 11 tomorrow. Right, tomorrow. <laughs> so, so now we're going to have to straighten him so out on he, that. He, he called yeah. me at 10 o'clock today <laughs> thinking that maybe so there was turned- a spot for 11 o'clock tomorrow <laughs> when he's supposed so, to be on at 1 o'clock today.
2: <laughs> so Les turned his clock ahead of day. Is that what <laughs> you're telling me? I think
1: so. I think so. He might. the
3: have... so The funny part is, yeah, he was prepping just put him for on the when air he...
2: whenever he calls trash panda. It does not matter what well, matter we, what Well, we we were so,
1: well, The thing is, we were supposed to have a guest coming up and inside the clubhouse. I can't just put him on air. Like, oh, hey, Bruce and guest? David, you guys want to talk to
2: Less? Here you go. Yeah. What to, well, What are we that,
1: talking right? to Less about today? Today,
3: because I well, I want to separate. It comes, the... Here's
2: yes. Yeah, here's what it's all about. Okay. Because because when when um. Interim Mayor Lightfoot announced that 20% capacity for the baseball. The mayor's
1: teams. got the interim tag now, huh? Yeah, I love it. Wow. Oh my God. God, I love I don't know, about I don't that. know
2: anything. Uh, yeah, interim is, is being kind at this point. Wow. Anyways, the interim mayor said that the baseball teams could have 20% capacity for starters. So the 80-20, the 80-20 um, per, uh, percentages reminded me of Lee Elia's rant, where he said eighty-five percent of the city works, and fifteen percent—the other fifteen percent—come down here to boo our asses, or whatever. However he said oh, it. Oh yes. And I thought, oh my God, what a great opportunity! We should call that. I and I tweeted out, we should, they should, the Cubs should call this the Lee Elia ticket plan. What do you? eighty <laughs> percent of the people can't get in, but twenty can. And I and I thought, well, we should have less do this. Because you can't play the Lee rant enough and less. I don't think hotter than. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. no, that's and perfect. so I wanted, I, I wanted <clears throat> less on to, I want to run this idea by him and tell the story and and it's less. Come on, we want to we want to talk sports with less. So yeah. All right,
3: no, that's that's perfect because I'm having him on and I had forgotten that we talked about. So it's my fault, but but I'm having him on to talk about college basketball tomorrow. So this is perfect. So let's so the the powers of Grobber have been separated. And we think he's going to. What time is he supposed to be on with us? One One today. o'clock. One o'clock. All yeah. right. So yeah. if we're lucky, grab her on at one today and then 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. So let's. We'll all just or hold, whenever a, he hold calls. on to your
2: butts. Yeah. <laughs> whenever he calls. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he um, calls. Exactly. Yeah. So I got I to gotta say, there was so much went on that wasn't that um, this week. I'm thinking. Let me run this by you, since we know there's no sense having a planning meeting anywhere but on the air. Yeah. So I got to imagine that what Mark heard, our nearly award-winning segment, has a variety, sort of, as Terry Boers would say, spraying to all fields. I have to imagine that's what Mark heard, and I would think that this would be a good time to sort of set the table. Is am I right? Am I wrong? What oh we yeah. Do no, here? we
3: could. We could definitely set the table a little bit here on on what Mark okay. heard. Hold on a second. Let me just open up the file on my computer here. Um
2: okay. Or we could
3: yeah. Yeah, so you want me to tell you who is who is coming up on what Mark heard?
2: No, no. I just wanted to know if there was if I think that should we'll take a break and we yeah. can oh, okay. we'll see what we can get in the rest of the hour because i think there's i would guess there's a variety of things that we could talk there about is. if if need be we'll carry into the 12 o'clock hour after we could we could do what mark heard every hour and what mark heard All right
3: so time. we're doing what mark heard next is what you're saying
2: We I am saying that I'm saying that okay. that's I got that's, you if it's okay with you cuz you're mark No no that's you perfect. I just didn't know what you are getting at. If you,
3: I didn't know if you wanted me to promote it for later. You could have just said, hey, Mark, you want to do what Mark heard next? And then, I could have then done there that. would be. Yeah.
2: But it wouldn't be Saturday suckage if it were that neat and clean. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way we roll here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. It's Saturday suckage. Of course it is. Chicago Sports Radio 670. Oh, and what Mark heard is next. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday
3: Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid
2: except me. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're all striving to be Simpson. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And this is our nearly award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. Mark, tell us what mark heard this week
3: yo give me the microphone i got it in my hand now and uh time for first here's Les grobstein Les. oh i thought we had less nope nope not <laughs> yet okay less coming on in, yeah we think at one o'clock and then tomorrow again at 11 o'clock hey you know what no you what? me and les we're all for the weekends man we're all in this together so, all right, here we go. What Mark heard. The first one that we're going to talk about, this goes to earlier in the week. And I know that, Steve, you and I both heard this and both enjoyed it. So it's something that Steve and I both heard, dirty little secret, that, <laughs> that Jason Hayward was a guest on the Lawrence Holmes show and was talking about his connection to, his friendship with, his acquaintanceship with one Hank Aaron. Take a listen to this.
5: I was able to see Hank do a lot of special things before I even got to pro baseball, right, growing up in Georgia, not far from Atlanta. I think it really um it really hit me as far as him being a huge icon and what he's meant to the world, our country of course, but the world and moving things along for civil rights and equality when I got to see him hand the Olympic torch off to Muhammad Ali. In Atlanta, and that's that's a moment I'll never forget in my life. But then having a chance to come up through the Braves system, um, to be able to be pulled off to the side privately by Hank and have him approach me and just you know just want to talk and just kind of foreshadow some things for me. Let me know if this is how certain things are going to look. This is how things are going to feel when you step out on the field for the first time. You know, enjoy that. This is the same game you've always loved play that and, and never lose sight of why you started playing, but also realize that you're an African-American. You know, you're a black baseball player. You're from where you're from. You understand how the South is. You know, certain things are going to be tough. Certain things are going to be tougher than others, and you didn't ask for that. And Sometimes, you no. Know, people are going to treat you how they treat you just because of who you are, and sometimes you're going to get treated other ways because of the color of your skin. But don't shy away from certain things you know still have conversations still be yourself still be a great teammate still love and respect the game that you love and go out there and and not take any of those moments for granted and just hearing those words before I was even able to set on a set foot on a major league field you know helped me have a clear picture on okay yeah you've loved this game since you were five years old and, and you played it you strive for this goal to be a major league baseball player but now here's some more reality and it was a, you know, it was it was a father figure type, you know, moment for me. And then before opening day happened, you know, getting to talk to Hank leading up to that game. Um, if anything, I know there were there were a lot of nerves when it comes down to someone playing their first major league game. You know, opening up at home, um, you know, 30 minutes from where I grew up, uh, you know, packed house playing the Cubs. Right. All these things going on, I mean, also you talk about people talk about a lot about the hype and and the media at the time for someone like myself at twenty years old. Hank helped me stay calm and all that because it was like, Oh yeah, by the way, you know, you're about to go out here and play this game. Oh, you're gonna you know, I'd love to have you catch the first pitch. Um, you know, the Braves set that up, but for me, you know, that can be a lot to ask of a twenty year old kid who hasn't played a game in the major leagues yet, but the fact that I was able to do catch that pitch from Hank Aaron Everything felt normal. Everything felt like I'm a kid. I'm getting to catch the ball from an idol, um, and that I can go play this game I love in front of someone like himself. And then everything else will be at peace. So just just being able to be touched by Hank before and after um, starting my baseball career, um, you know, is something I'll never take for granted. Does it even feel real? Like, because when you think about it, like that
3: guy is. Is such a legend. You were friends with that guy. Like it's it's
2: such a strange thing.
5: No, it's it is strange. You know that's a that's a part of the game, and those are those are kind of parts of this game that that I feel like you know is is the humbling part of. On the side, like, there's a lot of tough things about baseball. There's a lot of tough things about the business side of any aspect of entertainment in an industry. You can't please everyone. There's going to be things that, oh, people come at you. you know, all, all that stuff. But things like having an opportunity to, you know, be alongside Hank Aaron, um, you know, play in the stadium that, you know, again, like I said, the Olympic torch, you know, he, he was a part of that ceremony. Um, having his... 750, uh, 715th home run baseball be a picture on the backside of the batter's eye when you're approaching the stadium. Just, just feeling his presence and aura and, and um, you know, in Atlanta it was a special thing. So no, it doesn't feel real. Um, you know, it's still, you know, wild to think that he's gone. You know, along with, uh, you know, a few other Braves, you know, legends that have just passed recently. But again, it, it makes it all worth it in the grand scheme of, you know, how hard it is to play this game.
3: Pretty cool. Jason Hayward of the Cubs right there on the Lawrence Holmes show earlier this week talking about the great Hank Aaron. And basically, Steve, the way I heard it was Hank Aaron telling Jason Hayward, hey, this is going to be great, but it's also going to be terrible sometimes. Try to enjoy this, but it's not all going to be particularly enjoyable. What did you get out of that?
2: Yeah, I, the the idea that a man who, you know, uh, a Black man deep in the south broke one of it broke maybe the greatest the single greatest sports record ever held by and it was held by a white person and was mobbed and cheered and and survived threats on his family and had to have FBI follow him cover him take him run misdirection plays for people who have threatened his life and that's the guy Telling twenty-year-old Jason Hayward, who had idolized Aaron growing up, as he said in Georgia, and just sit down, let's talk. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's like a a human volume. You just, you just, if you're Jason Hayward, you soak it all in. And I think that's what is. And by the way, he homered that opening day. He came up and homered, and it was off Carlos Zambrano. Of course, it was <laughs> the J. A. Kid homered against the Cubs. It's just. A reason that he's—if you've ever had the chance to talk to him, as we did, not just listen to him, but be around him—there is a reason. There is a reason that he needed to be the guy during the rain delay in 2016 in Cleveland, and he was. And they responded. He's that kind of human being, that kind of leader, that kind of team player. It's not—it's not a. It, a coincidence, it's not dumb luck that he was the guy making that speech. I don't think he made a lot of speeches Went around, <clears throat> I don't think he went around the locker room doing a whole lot of yelling throughout the year, but that, when it was needed, and that's just the way he, the way he, he acts. I think this is wonderful. I love hearing guys talk about their idols that way because there's such love in Jason Hayward's words and voice that's what I got out of it I, yeah I, you
3: know you know so. what like like Jason Hayward has he's overcome I think the massive expectations that came with the the 184 million dollar contract that he got for forever years and for years and I, I think fans are over it now they expected him to be that and they should have. And he had a good year last year, but he's never really lived up to the contract in terms of the way he's he's played the game. But he's one of those rare guys who I think is falling into this great role of being accepted by fans as what he is, a great outfielder, a decent offensive player, but a huge leader, a voice of the team, a voice of social consciousness. Like I I don't think I've ever seen somebody kind of recover in this town. From the big making the big bucks and then allowing a guy, and, and, and he's still going to take criticism from plenty of fans. There's probably fans right now pounding their fists on their steering wheel, saying that you know the, <laughs> the, the Cubs should have never signed him. But am I making sense? Like he's sort of gotten past that and over that, and he is an accepted person on the Cubs, even though he hasn't lived up to the contract. Does I, that I, does, does, does that sound right yeah, or no?
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it does. But I think it. I think you a better prism might be this: that everything you said. Is true. He signed a big money contract. It was hard to live up to. He had on the field at the plate. I just let, let's just leave it at the plate. Because okay. on the field, he was a Gold Glove outfielder. Yeah. But at the plate, he didn't come close to. He shouldn't have even been allowed to look at those contract numbers. That's how <laughs> bad it was by comparison. Yeah. But. Yeah. That's what made what he said that rainy mm-hmm. night in Cleveland all the more powerful. Yeah. Because as he was going through it, everybody in the in that clubhouse looked at him and saw the way he carried himself, saw the way he handled himself, saw the way he worked to get better, saw the way he dealt with it and he was always ready. It was it, that was what he was going to do the way the player he was going to be. That's what got him to that point. So they had massive respect watching this guy through go through these kinds of struggles. And then his words meant even more, this is this guy saying to us, he knows what it's like to come back from from things that are so difficult. And I think that was, what you said was all true, looked at the prism through his teammates, the way they've talked about him, the way players have told those tales, that it it meant so much by his actually his his failing at the plate and is still being excellent in the field
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it's different man and i you know i i was there cubs 15 16 and 17 so i covered a lot of jason hayward and i could tell you that when he was struggling might in 2016 the World Series year when he would just—he was a four-three machine. He'd ground out the second base, and <laughs> yeah. and they didn't know what to do with him in the lineup. And you know, do you replace him in the playoff? Like ev- all of this, and he was always a leader in that clubhouse. Like I always talk about. It. Like I—I've kind of been re- reformed a little bit over the importance of leadership because I used to completely discount it, but then. Having been around that Cubs team and seeing how it worked on the road, on airplanes and hotels and like, okay, I'm starting to get this because I saw it with David Ross, the player, and I saw it with Jason Hayward, you know, Um, it wasn't Rizzo and, you know, it was more Lester and, you know, Rizzo, very popular figure there, very respected, but the vocal leader, the guys, the guys who were always available to me, Jason Hayward and even, and and half the mm-hmm. time we we're like, dude, why'd you ground out again? <laughs> you know, he was like, I don't know. <laughs> Just stop and grounding he would, out, right? He, yeah, like we'd have to ask him these these questions that suck. Why why are you one for your last thirteen? And he was right there, always right there to answer them and talk about other people. Like he, except he wanted to be a leader in that clubhouse, and he was. And I think that he is one of the rare athletes in Chicago sports history who has kind of overcome that. But um, we can get we can get more into that at, at some other time. Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll get more into that tomorrow, Steve, when I'm hosting a show all alone from 9 o'clock until yeah. noon tomorrow. You on the just score.
2: work around whenever Les picks up the phone to call you. I think <laughs> – is. we hope Les picks up the phone at 1 o'clock to call us. Let's take a break, and we'll come back with more right. of what Mark heard. We have more, and I think this may be our first two-hour what Mark heard we may be carrying <laughs> this into the – because it, the, the thing I love about this segment is that here's something – that you found, you heard, that somebody said on the score, and it's worth a greater discussion to bring it yes. back. And that's what we did. And I, I certainly, we both agreed on on Jason Hayward. And you know what? There are similarities. One last word, one last sure. thought on that locker room clubhouse presence. We talked last week about the retirement of Brent Seabrook and how in the block, he, he was not one of the lettered guys, but he was the sergeant at arms in that dressing room in that in that locker room and the 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 same would hold true the respect that Jason Hayward has so when he does he says something he's he's looked at whether he says nothing or whether he says something he is someone who has been emulated by the players there and and it takes a lot of different types to make a clubhouse or a dressing room work and -hmm. that's what we've seen from the championship teams here so all right we're going to take a break when we come back. There'll be more of what Mark heard because Mark heard so much this week, oh, and we my just God. love talking about it, right? Yes. Isn't that it?
3: Yeah, Steve. Yep. And right. and, and, and it will deal and with bears,
2: bears, and bears, bears. white socks, white socks. All right. So there you go. Saturday Suckage. We suck, so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The Score. Welcome to You Heard with Her. No, it's What Mark Heard. That's what we That's heard. Right. You heard us. You heard us. Damn it. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, with you. And we're doing our nearly award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. And, Mark, what's next?
3: Uh, I was thinking about this during the break, by the way. What yep. is the better of, in the realm of what are you doing, what is better? What are you doing, Dragich, or what are you doing, Wagner?
2: <laughs> um, what are you doing, Wagner? Made more sense. What are you doing, Dragic? Well, he's trying to—he's trying to prevent. He's trying to protect the rim. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Wagner was a, a legitimately interesting question,
4: <laughs> and then you,
2: the idea, and then the follow-up that you—he's from Chicago. You can't guard him. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. That—that that makes no sense. I he's understand the Chicago. deliriousness of watching a, a posterizing play, but I it doesn't the dots don't connect with me. So what? It's are you like Jawan Howard. More...
3: Jawan Howard. He's from the South Side. He's not going to take that crap. So he's going to come after the opposing Bro. team's coach. That's just the way it goes. Uh, all right, you ready? <laughs> okay. Let's get back to, to what Mark heard. One of yeah. these signature segments on this here show. All right. Did you get a chance, Stevie Sunshine, to hear Don Cooper on our afternoon show earlier this week with Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel?
2: I did. I did. It was so, it was radio gold. Yeah, and I wanted and, to talk about, I'm so glad that that, that is on what more curve So yeah. you go ahead, roll it and talk All right. about it and, and it, set it up.
3: Yeah. It's difficult to to pick through, and we and again, this will leave us more time later to discuss further, if you would like. But basically, I thought the most important and you know, continuing theme throughout the interview was Don Cooper was hurt by the fact that the White Sox, and as he went on to say fired him, um, Cooper lamenting how he loved the Sox, but they didn't love him back. Here's Cooper.
2: Oh, geez, you know, listen, I'm lucky, thankful, grateful for sure at the opportunity I had to, uh, you know, White Sox fishing was, is very important to me. Uh, there's a lot of people have come, come my way, and, I'm, you know, I'm glad for all of it. Um, you know, I, what I will say about the whole thing, i spent more than half my life there, you know, and, and it's just it's just it, it's not fun when people you really, uh, you know, look up to and admire and, uh, you know, care for, you know, care for. That, that's the best way to put it. Don't care for you is quite as much. It's not so much fun. Um, that's my whole stay with the White Sox. I, I, again, more than half my life with the team. Um, but, I, again, I, that's, that's, that's my statement, I guess I'll say.
3: <laughs> and he made many statements uh-huh. throughout that yeah. interview. It was one yes, of the the most skilled interviews I've heard in a long time. On And there's been a lot of great interviews with all of our shows here on The Score. But what Parkins and Spiegel did by knowing they had to continue with that line of questioning, even though Cooper kept saying he didn't want to talk about it, and they skillfully continued to ask those kinds of questions. So other than raving about the interview skills of the fellows on the afternoon show, I will say this, that it's exactly how I thought Don Cooper felt. It's probably how everybody feels when they mutually part ways with an organization. However, however, the guy was the pitching coach for a big league ball club for 19 years. Was it 19 years or was it 18 years? Whatever decade plus Don Cooper got every opportunity and more of an opportunity than almost all of the people that work in his position, whether a pitching coach or the next step would be a manager in baseball. So I don't think, although I loved hearing Don Cooper, I love the passion and I feel bad for him and I like him and I hope he comes to work here at the score. Don Cooper had 19 years to do that job here.
2: Uh, and he did, and he had put on his pitching staff, put on a spectacular four-game performance, and and his he won a World Series. His pitching staff did. He made John John Garland a, a a keeper, and all kinds of things that went on there. And then he was um, fired. And what really came through was he was the spurned lover. He was he was the rejected the rejected lover yes and there was a spurting wound yes. that will never even be reduced to oozing it will never heal and even if it does the scars will have scars and one of the things that you I got from the as you said the skilled questioning by Matt Spiegel and Danny Parkins was that Don Cooper was not done talking about it even as many times as he said he's done talking about it he's not nope. done talking about it he has a lot of unfinished business and it may always remain unfinished and we get that that's what that's a love affair that ended badly that's what that yeah.
3: is yeah no you're, you you nailed it and you're right there was more i mean they only had so much time but the, the cooper was there as i like to say there was a crescendo and it was continuing throughout the interview and uh, yeah, he got into all sorts of different things in regards to like how it ended, Ricky Renteria, and that final game and how much that affected things, modern techniques, all of that kind. And here's the other part that I think Cooper is feeling. Spurned lover. That's perfect what you said. And then also, it's like it's like there's shiny new tools in this organization and Don Cooper doesn't get to play with the rest of the kids. He got left off. He didn't make, he got cut, you know, like here they are. They're going into this new level. They're going into high society. And Don Cooper is, is just all he's left with is James Shields. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it is for, for yeah. Don Cooper at this, I, I, at this point. Yeah.
2: I I had I'd flagged Don Cooper's name and, I, and and this was a couple of weeks ago when I'd read Matt Davidson, you know, our old friend Matt Davidson, the pitcher. Sure, third baseman. Two-way, two-way play, right. So he's been on the mound with the Dodgers this spring, yep. throwing a fastball, curveball, split finger. And he, his quote was, with the technology they have here, I'm sure I'll be throwing something else by the end of camp. I was up to 92 miles per hour with the White Sox with no throwing program. With all the weighted ball stuff and things they have going on here, I'm hoping to get it up higher than that. Now, a sneaky, snarky columnist would twist that and say, well, the White Sox were so far behind under the previous regime, I don't expect them to be that far behind now. This is the way teams get ahead, and Matt Davidson who was in the White looked at by the White Sox as a pitcher, was not exposed to all the things that the Dodgers have exposed them to. I don't know what's true and what's not, but he talks like a guy whose eyes have been open to far newer technology analytics thought that Don Cooper thought he was engaged in, but wasn't. And the one thing we saw from Ricky Renteria, which I guess had don cooper's Don Cooper's seal of approval was, A refusal to go to the opener idea, and when they were forced to go to it, their only excuse, they bumbled it so badly, their excuse was, well, we didn't expect Crochet to get hurt. Well, that's because you had no experience dealing with a guy who might have gotten hurt in the regular season in that situation. Then how do you ad lib? How do you come back from that? How do you limit the damage? And they couldn't. And I believe that played a massive role in both of them being shown the door. Yeah, but I, I still think too that some of that, some of the
3: responsibility, the culpability for that, has to fall in the hands of of Rick Hahn, because how does the general manager not know the plan going into that game? I mean, he must. He must. He, what I'm saying in a very, and I'll say it in a really short, concise way, he had to have Rick Hahn signed off on all of that. So mm. I I don't leave him blameless. All right, I've been told that we have to we have to wait a little while for the I've one more cut it's all in that we'll get to later on Steve but we just we no, just don't have time more. in the I next want
2: more I want more I want more It's coming soon. Just one more cut. Okay. Yep. We'll take a break when we come back we will talk with Cody Westerland about the Bulls. Maybe he knows why Wendell Carter Jr. sucks. Cuz that's what we need to know. Why why yeah. does he suck and, and how mommy make it stop. I'm Steve Rosenblum, he's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage, so of course, we're gonna talk about the Bulls and Wendell Carter Jr., Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Baseball
0: is back, and so is MLV.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode, and catch up with in-game highlights.